Hi guys, this is Brian Scott. Welcome to Beats by the City Journals, where we talk about all things local. Today we are going to talk to Holiday Mayor Rob Daly. I hope you love the podcast. And remember to read the Holiday City Journal for more information on some of the projects me and the mayor talk about. Good morning, Mayor Daly Holiday. How are you? I am well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming in here today with the Beats broadcast or the Beats podcast with the City Journals, uh, the brand new podcast for us, 2020, and we are excited to to have you with us. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. We, any opportunity we have to get out uh, correct information about our city and what's going on in our city is welcomed because. Probably our biggest challenge is that communication piece, getting the residents to understand and know and and probably equally hearing from them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just seems like there's so much misinformation that floats around. Um, And when you get to actually sit down and talk with people and you can explain to them what the facts are, they both understand it and also appreciate it. Sure. So yeah. So this is great. Great. Absolutely. Forum. Well, we're glad to have you here. So you have been the mayor of Holiday for how long? Six years, almost Six exactly. Years. Six okay. years. Okay. And so true to the city journals, we love hearing about people and how they got where they got and, and kind of what their backstory is or their origin story. So paint us a picture. Who, who, who are you? Who am I? Where were you um, born? Where do, where were you raised? Okay, I'll give you I'll give you a quick overview. I was born in Preston, Idaho. Actually, my family's uh, both my mom and dad are Cache Valley people, Western Idaho, Preston, Idaho. Um, I was born in Preston uh, in large part because my dad was a that time active duty Air Force and and in uh, Vietnam he was a fighter pilot in Vietnam, and so my mom went back to. Uh, uh, Preston and and um, that's where I was born, but that uh, we only lived there. We lived there for one year in uh, one of his tours in Vietnam. Other than that, I was just born there, and that's it. Okay. So we moved back to Salt Lake when I was eight years old, 1968. My dad got out of the active duty Air Force to uh, start a shoe business here locally, and so I grew up in Murray. Went to Murray schools, graduated from Murray High in '78. Went to the University of Utah. And uh, entered the ROTC program there about midway and um, graduated in 83, was commissioned, uh, entered active duty um, and went to what uh, was hel- trained as a helicopter pilot and spent six years on active duty. In the Army. In the you Army. Went from ROTC to and enlisted in the Army. Uh, commissioned in commissioned the Army. Commissioned in the Army. Uh-huh. I went to tank training, then flight school. And then my first duty station was in uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, which is just uh, south of Tacoma, where I met met my wife, Joni. Okay. And uh, while I was stationed there, did a mid-tour to the Multinational Force and Observers uh, assignment over in the Sinai, Egypt. Came back and we were married, went back to Alabama, Fort Rucker, Alabama, and then separated in 89. So how long were you in? Six years uh, active duty service. Okay. And, um, and then I came back to get in. The, we wanted to start a family and, and so made the decision that, that, that it was probably best for us to move back here and got into a family clothing business. Dally's Big and Tall, some people might remember. It was a sure. specialty size business. And, okay. 
my brother and I purchased that from my father in 1990, and we ran that business for uh, 20 years. So that's really my professional career was six years in the Army, 20 years in the clothing business. And then my brother and I um, uh, made the decision to uh, sell that business in 2009. So... Um, let's back up a little, little bit. Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. So super fun for me, Preston, Idaho. Mm-hmm. I uh, was raised in Malat, so just mm-hmm. over the, the mountain there in Oneida County. Yeah. Uh, I did not know that about you. I didn't know that that's there. So do you have family still back in that Preston area? Uh, yeah, my dad has uh, a couple of aunts and uncles in Logan. In Logan, okay. In, in Logan, um, but nobody that's left in the western kind of Preston area. Preston area. Um, and then moved down here to Murray and mm-hmm. spent most of your childhood and, and adolescence in Murray. Did you, at that point in, in high school and stuff, did you know you wanted to go into the service? No, no, no I didn't. I, I, you know, I entered college and, um, didn't quite know what I wanted to do and, um, ran into an old high school buddy of mine that was in ROTC up there okay. and I thought it was interesting and, and so uh, I actually joined a, a National Guard unit out in West Jordan. It was the 163rd uh, attack battalion. Then it's now the 211th. That's still a, 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 a National Guard Apache unit. And so the thought was I would just uh, go through there, go to flight school, come back. But anyway, to make a long story short, my between my junior and senior years, decided I wanted to go active duty and move away and, and have more of, a, of an adventure, I guess you'd say. Sure. Um... So that gets you into there. At any time back then, did you contemplate politics? No. No. At any time back then, were you interested in like cities, city government, any of that? No, not no, at all. So when did that come in? So that, you know, I, I my brother and I had gotten out of business in 2009. And um, I had been, my wife and I had been, pretty active in the community in volunteer work and, and through uh, the St. Vincent's Catholic parish were parishioners at St. Vincent's and holiday. And also very active in our kids went to Cottonwood high school. They were all swimmers and we were trying to organize, get it more organized in terms of, of that sport. And um, through that association, I came in contact with Jim Palmer, who was the district five councilman in holiday. And, um, anyway, he, uh, he had asked me if I'd be interested in running for mayor of holiday because the, the current mayor, Dennis Webb was not going to run again. And it just kind of took me by surprise. Like, why would you even ask me that? I don't know anything sure. about city sure. politics. I've never been involved in politics. Did you ask him that question? Uh, no, not really. Okay. I, didn't, I mean, I just thought that, but then another, another friend of mine, um, from holiday who was a developer was building some homes and. He called me the next day and said, hey, you need to run for mayor of Holiday. And it was just kind of this strange thing where I had sure. two people call me back to back. And um, but anyway, the the uh, so let, let's let's okay. let's ponder on that for a second. Why do you think they asked you? You well, have some idea that personal traits of yours that, that they thought would benefit you and interest that you had showed. Well, I, I guess. You know, I, I think maybe the one, the one skill I do have is I do, I really like people, okay. and I like 
trying to pull people together to, to sure. get things done. Okay. And so, you know, I think working with Jim and, and Terry, they saw how we were able to together kind of pull together a team okay. of parents and, and uh, folks at the school to, to get the swim pr- program up and running. And then my, okay. my, my other friend, John Phillips, who's a builder in holiday, I think I had taken over as president of the Cottonwood club, which is a little kind of private kind of golf swimming youth club in holiday. Okay. They'd been wanting to rebuild the club for years. And I was, you know, put in as president and was able to push through a a vote with the members. And we got a new club built. I think maybe from that experience with him, he thought, man, Rob, maybe you ought to try this. People had seen you facilitate, collaborate. They had seen you in a leadership role at that point. Yeah, I think so. So they had a pretty good picture of what they were, what they were looking at. I think so. Yeah. All right. So, you got these phone calls mm-hmm. and you decide to run. No, no, I didn't. I didn't have any inclination to run. Sure. And really, really what happened was um, my, so I, I, I'm out of business. My, uh, my oldest two daughters are in college. My youngest is my youngest son was getting ready to graduate and go off to college from Cottonwood high school. And he was speaking at graduation and um, it was, Actually, I think one day before you could um, sure. submit your name, sure. uh, and there's like a little window where you can submit your name. Anyway, he was giving this speech, and there's this famous speech that Teddy Roosevelt gave that everybody's kind of aware of, the man in the arena. Yeah, if you pull it up, and yeah. and and he was while well, he was talking about this, and you know, are you, are you going to be the person that just is always on the outside criticizing, or do you want to get in and try to actually do something, even though you know it's probably going to result in you know go bad could go bad and go bad and it kind of occurred to me that the only reason i was not going to run was because i thought i would just get demolished because i'm not sure i'm not republican i'm an independent i'm not of the predominant religion i don't have any experience in local politics and it's like well this is just going to be uh awful sure and but having said that, you know, it felt, it, I kind of felt like he was speaking to me and it's like I've always told my kids, don't, you know, don't not try something just because you're f- fearful that you're going to fail. And so it it appeared to me I was being a little bit personally, um, a little hypocrisy on my part. So anyway, sure. I, I went in the next day and submitted and uh, my wife sat me down and said, well, if you're going to run, you're not going to lose. And uh, <laughs> I, I like still, her already. I still thought oh, she was awesome. She was, uh, I mean, she pretty much won the election. And if you ask anybody that knows her and in the city, they'd say, yeah, that's right. She was out knocking doors and walking. And, and even still to this day, you know, if you go out in the city, you'll, she's involved in, she'll go to Rotary and Chamber and involved in a lot of the events the city does. And so, it's been a team effort for sure. But, but anyway, yeah, so we worked, we worked really hard. I uh, made it through the primary pretty easily with, uh, with uh, how many people were running Four. four of you submitted names and four of us ran through the primary. And um, I came out of the primary, but I was 20 points behind coming out of the primary. And okay. so anyway, we just kept working and, you know, uh, bottom line is we just, snuck ahead at the very end by literally like 80 votes um, at the end. But yeah, it was really, really hard. And, 
And I have tremendous respect for anybody who is willing to throw their hat in the ring and, and, you know, try to get involved in public service. Sure. Uh, Cause it's important. It's really important. Absolutely. Um, so you, you run, you win. What year was that that you? 2013. And then I was sworn in on 2014. 14. Now we had, um, we had Mayor Dirk Burton of West Jordan in here yesterday talking, and uh, they went through a uh, change of form of government this year, as you know. Uh, tell us the form of government that Holiday operates under. Are you? Is it the mayor a full time position? No, we are. We are council manager. Okay, it's, you know, called a council manager form of government, sometimes referred to as weak mayor. Sure, and. Um, and we're actually a grandfathered form of government. It's not even legal anymore to have our form. Okay. We have six council members. I'm one of them. Okay. And a voting member of the council. And it actually takes four votes to carry a motion. Usually Perfect. you'll have odd numbers. So, but yeah, the, the, the city manager, Gina Chamness, run, right. runs the day-to-day operations in the city. She's the chief executive officer where... In a full-time mayor position, the mayor would actually be the chief executive. Like sure. uh, so, West Jordan now, now um, sure. you know, South Salt Lake, Salt Lake City, Sandy, right. um, some of the bigger cities, some of the Mo- bigger um, cities, most of the bigger cities. Yeah, yeah, most of the bigger cities for obvious reasons. So, sure. but but most of the cities in the county are we mayor right. forms of yep. government where the 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 mayor's really. Uh, uh, part-time position and sure yeah sure so talk to me about as mayor of holiday what are some of your duties what do you do how do you spend your day um using mayor roles and what do you do as the mayor oh gosh it's all it's all over the board i mean primarily your your job is to run the council run council meetings set the agenda um the other primary role you have is to kind of be the spokesperson for the city sure um speak on behalf of the city um, but in my particular case, uh, we contract for police and fire service through unified right. police, unified fire. So I'm just coming off as chairing the unified fire board. So I serve on that board. I serve on the unified police board, um, as part of my responsibility through what they call council of governments. I sit on the county board of health. So that takes up a, a pretty good bit of time, but sure. we're also pretty active in the community. Um, on any organizations that uh, that support or undergird the strength of the community, we tend a lot of rotary events. We try to support the chamber. Um, I was at a Cottonwood High School city council meeting or community council meeting rather sure. the other morning. Um, uh, so it's just it's just kind of all over the board. My schedule varies sure. from from week to week depending on what's going on. Um, and, you know, what kind of time a mayor puts in really is kind of their, of their own choosing and maybe dictated by what their personal uh, kind of their personal position in life. It's built so that a full time somebody has a full time job can do the job. But sure, I would say after doing it, it'd be very difficult to do that and do it, do it, uh, well. Do it well. Yeah. So you've been mayor six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us. Tell us the most frustrating thing that you've had to do as mayor. Oh, boy. Uh, 
Something I don't even like talking about that much, but but probably the most disappointing thing I had to get involved with was uh, as soon as I as soon as I was uh, sworn in, I joined the the Unified Fire Board, and uh, we had issues in Unified Fire with um, uh, the leadership there. Sure, and uh, morale was being affected because of that, and went through a very difficult period where the state audited unified fire and the fire chief resigned and assistant fire chief resigned and we had a total total changeover in leadership and it was it was a really disappointing time for me to see that happening within a public entity like that especially an entity like police and fire where um you know, you'd expect a certain kind of behavior. And so sure. it was it was disappointing. It was difficult. But I think like lots of things in life, it's ended up being fantastic. The, uh, we had a changeover in leadership. Um, we've done a lot of things internally, especially with market pay for the firefighters. It has really turned things around there. So it the end the end result has been fantastic. But the process was very disappointing and very difficult. So I'd say that's probably been the hardest thing I've gone through. That's understandable. The I remember that time period, and I think a lot of us were kind of shocked and awed at, at both the the choices that some people made um, that, that were trusted, and then also just the oversight of, of things and the systems weren't in place to, to prevent that. Um, Let's talk about it for a second for Unified Fire, just for a second. A mm-hmm. um, lot of changes, in particular in the south end of the valley with Unified Police mm-hmm. over the last mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't tracked as many changes, Unified Fire. I know Draper left Unified Fire, correct? Mm-hmm. That's and true. Further on. Um, Unified Fire, strong organization, mm-hmm. healthy. Very. Yeah. yeah. Going to be around. Oh, yeah. 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 How many member cities are in the UFA? Oh, my gosh. I should sure. know that, but I don't. It's, sure. it's got to be 12 or 13, only because, you, you know, they've, they've split the townships off. Right. And, and so townships are, 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 oh, are sure. members yeah. of the board. So I don't know exactly what the membership quite. Yeah. But most of the county is UFA. Um, Cause you have, I think we have 27 stations. Yeah. Um, uh, I wouldn't say most of the county, but a pretty good portion of it. It's the largest fire agency in the state. In the state. Um, and, um, you know, it kind of sp- sprawls all over the county because it moves from Mill, C- Mill Creek and Cottonwood Heights and Holiday and sure. then down into Midvale and then goes out to Magna and Copperton and Harriman and Riverton. Sure. But West Jordan and South Jordan and Draper have their own and Sandy. Sandy. And so it, it's really right. it's really got a, a pretty sure. dynamic border. Um, all right. So let's flip gears. Best thing that you've been part of since becoming mayor, six years. What's the best thing you feel like when you that that minute when you stood up? You're like, oh man, this was really really cool. Oh wow, um, you know, probably r- really too many to just single one out. So maybe I could just make a general statement yeah. about that. And I, I say this, I say this often when I'm speaking to people is is probably the most disappointing thing to me about what what is happening on the national level right now is is it 
is turning us into cynics, I think, or, or has the potential of turning us into cynics and causing us to believe that things are really awful. And at the local level, and I think if you talk to a lot of mayors, I think they, I think a lot of them would agree with me. The best thing about my job is I am out in the community all the time. My wife and I are out in the community all the time, engaging with people every day that are doing just incredible things. And, sure. and it's happening everywhere all the time. And we don't talk about it. Nobody sees it. And to me, that's really what, you know, what it's about and what our communities are about, what make up our communities. It's not the negative um, noise you hear on the TV. Right. And, um, and, and so it, you know, oftentimes I'll get done with that stuff and I just feel good about, you know, what's going on and um, our future. And as long as we have those things going on in the community, I think we have a bright future. I mean, I, I mean, just, uh, you know, I, I was over at the Cottonwood Food Pantry, Cottonwood High Food Pantry the other day that you just wouldn't believe the kids that come in there and it's all volunteer and, and the kind of passion people have to make sure that those kids have the opportunities they deserve. You know, uh, next next week I'm going to go to a, a a dinner where one of our local churches takes in. Uh, they they rotate homeless people coming in, and that their parishioners will feed, house them, and feed them for okay. a week. And and I could go on and on and sure. on about that that kind of stuff that goes on in the community. So we started this podcast for the City Journal so that we could we could get out in front of our readers a little bit more, bring them more timely information throughout the month. But we didn't really know what our message was going to be. And I'm glad you brought this up because as I'm sitting here talking to you, I think more and more, this is the fifth podcast that we've done in the last week. I think that more and more it is becoming very evident to me what I believe in strongly is, is much of what you're talking about, that, that the national media, that, and, and I'm not even saying the national organized media, but, but also our social media and our conversations that we're having around water cooler seem so dominant towards that federal level. And what I've come to realize over the last few years is that the further that politician gets away from us, the less it really impacts our day-to-day life. I'm not saying that, that what's going on over in Iran and, and these foreign countries and what's going on in Washington, D.C. doesn't have an impact on us because we know it does. But the stuff that impacts us day-to-day, whether water turns on in our house or whether the electricity is, turns on or that our streets are plowed, these things are impacting us day-to-day. And it seems like no one's talking about them. Um, so, so I'm frustrated that on the polit- on the political level, and then um, uh, this is very neat to me to see that what you're talking about these people helping people, and, and one of the comments you said there is that a lot of the times it's just not being talked about. We don't talk about this really cool thing that's happening down the street, and um, hopefully this podcast can come to. And into itself, and will be able to really highlight some of those personal stories that are that are hyper local. But I want to move on because we have a few things that we want to talk about for 2020. We have a new year here, new decade. Um, 
talk to me about what to expect in holiday. Talk to me about a couple of things that you're excited for um, uh, coming up in holiday. And I know probably a lot of holiday residents, the first thing on their agenda is the Cottonwood Mall site. What can you tell me about what's going on there now? Yeah, and and now that you've now that you said the Cottonwood Mall site, I'm thinking actually that was probably the worst part of sure you, sure Unified Fire would have been second. That was a, a very difficult, um, very difficult stretch in our city and for our council um, because it really did that really did bring out the worst in some people and um, it caused a lot of contention in in the community. It, pitted people one against the other and and so that was that was very sure. difficult because nobody 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 that I know gets into office to try to right create um well people, antagonistic it, it was relationship right yeah, there were a lot of people passionate. that were passionate and some facts got they got washed under the rug and and we were just running off of a lot of emotion there yeah it was it, it just it was just awful for me to see what kind of uh, um, exchanges it created in the community. It was tough, but, sure. but, but like you say, I don't, I don't have any animosity towards anybody over it. I think people feel passionately yeah. one side or the other sure. feel strongly about their position. And, and we live in a democracy and people have uh, a right to voice their opinion. In this case, they had a right, right to take it to the ballot, which they did. And, and uh, they defeated it, and so we move on. So that brings us to where we are right now, which is, you know, uh, you know, it's easy to get in um, into the weeds on this very quickly and then lose everybody. Sure. Uh, but uh, I, I hit some of the high points with the Cottonwood Mall as far as where I know it is right now. Um, first of all, it's changed to Holiday Hills is going to be the the, uh, the name of the project. Okay. The property has been sold, which is probably the biggest piece of information that holiday residents should be excited about is that sure. Howard Hughes held that property, uh, took control of that property out of chapter 11 uh, bankruptcy from general growth, I think back in 2009. Um, and their out of state owner who didn't, sure. didn't, exercise a lot of interest in getting anything done. And so the the property was sold to um, uh, a group led by Steve Peterson, who's a, a local holiday resident and okay. the Woodbury Corporation and many of the Woodburys live in holiday. So I think that that's something holiday residents should be excited about that. It's changed hands. There are actually people that live in holiday that are going to have they live there. They've showed that they they're good there, stewards they of love other the city projects. And yeah. they, they want to see something great done there. Sure. And so it's going to be developed under the 2007 entitled plan. And, and what so, is that? I mean, what was entitled? It, it was it, it was entitled. It's a mixed use development. Okay. Um, it's entitled for uh, just to hit kind of the, the high basics. Um, it can't exceed 614 residential units. There's okay. a there's a a range of residential units allowed on the site. I think sure. it's 479 to 614, but don't sure. hold me to the low number. Okay. Um, the commercial's the same way, 500 and something thousand to 700 and something thousand square, square feet, feet of Spec. retail commercial space. Yeah. Um, 90 foot height limit on okay. the project. And it's set up in, in, in certain blocks. So I think there's 12 blocks 
that are involved with the current site plan. So it has to be developed within those parameters, and there's much more to it than that, but generally that's what we're talking about. So as long as the developer uh, comes in with conceptual site plans that conform to that entitlement, they have a right to develop what they want. Sure. Yeah. So it it really becomes a planning commission function at, at that point. And so that's why maybe it's not as, you know, the information's not out there in the community maybe as much right. as it would have been if it was a legislative action that, that you know, sure. changed the plan again. And those, those that planning and zoning, there will be, be some conversation, but there's not really much decision to be made at this point. I mean, it's it's been entitled to them. And, yeah, it's, and, enti- it's still, yeah. it's each of those submittals still require a public hearing, the conceptual sure. site plan approval. Right. So those go out and people have an opportunity to comment to the planning commission. Sure. But the planning commission's function, you know, is, is for, my best knowledge is the planning commission function is that they are to determine whether that application meets the requirement of the, the entitled property right. Yeah. And so that's what's happening now. There's three three blocks that have actually gone through the conceptual approval process. Okay. And I believe I believe one has received final site plan approval, but I, I, I I'm or it's in the process. So um, my latest the, the latest communication I got was that they're hoping to start what they call their horizontals in March or April. So you could actually see crews on the site this spring to start redevelopment. It's anticipated that uh, the absorption on that will be five to 10 years. So it's a, you know, it's going to be, project. it's going to be done in phases. It's a big project. It's, it's uh, probably 1.5 million square feet plus or minus total when it's done. And, and you know the dollar figure I've heard around six hundred million. So it's a big project, uh, big mixed use project. But I think something's going to be fantastic for the city. I think their vision for it is to be very upscale and very appropriate to holiday. It's oh, exciting. Um, so yeah, yeah, and and I think the one thing I think most of us one thing I've learned is nobody's going to agree to everything. Right. But I think one thing I could say is. Almost all the residents I talked to want to see something done there. It's been so that's exciting. Yeah, that's that's really exciting that we get to see that project. It has been sitting vacant too long. I think all the residents agree that it's it's an eyesore on, on the city as it sits right now. But that's super exciting. So I hope that um, in a couple months, as they break ground, we'll maybe get you and the developer back in here and uh, be able to tell the residents a little bit more about what's what's planned there and what's expected. And I'm sure we'll be covering it also in the journal. So that's uh, um, prior to the show, you had talked to me a little bit about uh, another change to a legacy property uh, here in the, in the city. Uh, talk to me about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, uh, it just hit the news lately, the cotton bottom, which is a, a local tavern that's kind of iconic to a lot of people. And, and also iconic in that it 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 um, is an entryway on the southeast of the corner of the city. So as you enter off of I two fifteen and come off the off ramp, you run into Tuscany and Cotton Bottom, and that is where Holiday kind of begins. So um, we've recently finished about six and a half acres of open space there called Knutson Park that we have improved on the south side of that, Tuscany and Franks, which are the two restaurants that are privately owned, 
have taken uh, ownership of 1.3 acres to the east, and they're improving that into a beautiful open space outdoor wedding venue that will be coupled with Tuscany. Okay. Um, that was kind of junky trees, to be honest with you. Sure. And then we have the little cotton bottom parcel that the holiday took ownership of back in 2014. So it was always our intention to take that back out to the private sector. Um, we were considering a fire station at one point that quickly became obvious that that it wasn't really, really necessary, especially for the cost. So uh, the city had released a request for proposal uh, a while ago to take some uh, proposals on what, what was to be done there. And anyway, to make a long story short, um, we have uh, we selected a proposal that that uh, leaves the current building in place and renovates it, renovates okay. the sign, which is what most people were can had questions sure. about. Is this old? The, the old sign is kind of iconic. Well, they have already taken that sign down and are beginning the process of refurbishing the sign. And then they'll replace it, place sure. it back in there, and then they'll actually build on to the existing facility with more of a family diner. So they're going to keep the tavern. My understanding okay. is they'll keep the tavern in place, uh, add a new facility that will have a, a broader menu and, and, and provide for family, um, dining as well. Sure. And, uh, but preserve the brand on the site. And, um, is this somebody we know? Is this? Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, some local folks that own bar X. Okay. A beer Downtown. bar and the eating establishment eating. up in uh, um, Park City. Okay. Uh, the one of the, the the partners I speak with most often, Jeff Bernard. You know, their family's been around for a long time in the restaurant business, the clothing business, Chalk Garden. Um, so they have experience with taking these iconic brands and breathing new life into them. Sure. So we're really excited because we think that the reason that the city took control of that property was to protect us from our own zone, that if they would have sold it to somebody else, they could have built offices or townhomes. And we just didn't think that was appropriate. So sure. we had a couple of proposals that would have put a lot more intensity on the site. It would have probably been better for the city coffers, but we just feel like that corner of the city to protect that brand, right. I think, protects a certain amount of character associated with being part sure. of holiday. And it also, it also keeps the intensity at that intersection at a proper level. So okay. yeah, we're very excited about it. We think we made the right choice. I think these are going to be terrific owners and they're going to, uh, one, one of the owners grew up right near there. And I think they have a, um, desire to try to keep that cotton bottom brand, um, intact as much as they can in the process. So yeah, I think that's going to be great. And it will basically finish off that little note in the city. So one of my favorite things every, every day we go out uh, to lunch with the team here and we go as a team to, to lunch. When should I expect to take the team up there to eat? I would probably have to defer to, to Jeff and his team on that. The, sure. the, it, it's, it's still in due diligence. We're hoping we can get everything taken care of and closed by, mid-March and start working on it. But okay. um, I, I would think by, you know, August, September, maybe the the original, original cotton bottom be re renovated and up for operation. I'm not sure about the new piece the they're going to build on. I would have to 
I'd be more comfortable with having Jeff and his team answer that question. All right. Sounds fair enough. Uh, We'll wait for it. So uh, 2020, what else you got uh, that you're looking at in 2020? Well, the biggest thing, the biggest thing we have going right now in 2020 that some people in holiday may think is great and some people may think it's awful is um, the one thing I do want to do prior to leaving office is make sure that that we have put in a proper funding mechanism for the infrastructure in the city. And by that, I mean our, our roads, our canals, our ditches, our storm drains. Um, we are a new city. We're 20 years incorporated, but we are the second oldest um, settlement in the state. So, so for infrastructure. Infrastructure. We right. have our kind of the theme of our holiday at 20 campaign is is uh, new city old bones. And, okay. Um, we've never raised property taxes in 20 years, and we have streets that are failing. Uh, we have storm drain needs that are going unmet. We have new parks we put in place, the City Hall Park, which has been built out behind City Hall, the plaza, the Knutson Park area that have all come online that are beautiful but now need to be maintained. And so we have put together what's called our Citizen Advisory Group, which are eight citizens of of, uh, professionals around the city that have agreed to sit on a committee and help us scope out the, the, uh, the bones, spoke, uh, scope out the bones and try to put a number to that and then go out to our citizens and try to explain to them what the issue is and try to find out from them what they expect from our city in terms of how we should maintain that. And then, how much they're willing to pay for it and try to find the right landing spot. So I think I don't have any illusions that, that we're going to have to have some different difficult conversations to our, with our citizens. But I think this citizen advisory group has done a tremendous job. They've been working eight months. We expect to get a recommendation from them the end of March. And when, and, you, and when you say difficult conversations, you mean either one, we can't give you what you want, or two, we need to. We need more money from you. Oh, I, I, look! I'm not going to beat around the bush. We're going to ask for money. Yeah, we we have to have more money. We have not raised revenue in 20 years. Expenses have continued to go up. This sure. infrastructure has continued to degrade, and part of it is our own fault. Meaning, from the public sector, that we don't want to make hard decisions about. Nobody sure. wants to go ask their citizens for money, but I also think we have an obligation to be honest and upfront about the state of our infrastructure with our citizens. And the one thing I do believe is the, the citizens of holiday are smart people. They get that you can't have something for nothing. Sure. But they're also going to demand that you explain to them what those issues are and how much you think it's going to cost and be involved in how they think they should pay for that. And so um, it, it's an issue that, that we need to, we need to face as a community that, uh, hey, you know, and if you live in Holiday and you're driving into on interior roads in neighborhood roads, it's they see it. Right. It's not hard. Now, the storm drains and canals and stuff, maybe not so much. Sure. But, um, but you know, we just can't. It's not responsible for us to keep letting these assets degrade to the point where it will cost three to four times more to replace them than if we just properly maintain them as we go. So give me a quick civics lesson financially here. 
Where does the majority of the funds come from to run the city? Well, our, it used to be that property tax was was the, the bigger chunk, but sure. I think uh, I was talking to Gina Chamnus, our city manager, yesterday, and um, you know we've even with the mall leaving back in two thousand, we finally got to the point where our sales taxes have caught back up, and I think sales taxes will will go up a little bit above property tax, but probably 70 to 80% of our funding comes from sales and property tax. Okay. And then from there, you know, there's various funding sources, whether it be fees sure. or, or um, our portion of, of BNC road taxes. Um, you know, it's just a, like the justice court, uh, the justice court runs on for the most part on, uh, fines and fees we take in sure. from tickets and whatnot. So, so there's 80%, 80% of the revenue, though, is coming from sales tax and property tax. I would have to look, but I think it's closer to 70. 70, yeah. okay. And then um, those are pretty even, but you're saying that sales tax is now crept above the property tax? I, I believe yeah, That's what Gina was telling me, that, that this sure. year for the first time since I've been in office, the sales tax piece of the pie as a percent of our revenue stream will go just a little bit ahead of property tax. Yeah. So um, understanding what I understand of property tax at this point, uh, if I pay $3,000 a year on property tax, most of that's going to state, school district, uh, a small portion, about 10% is coming to the city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think the, the metric we use is the median income price of a house in holidays $531,000. Okay. Of that 500 for for the assessment on that we take in about $389 of property tax holiday city. Holiday city. So, so they pay they, a bigger bill, but holiday yeah, city gets $389. We get about 10%. So if okay. if you did the math, you could probably say that that property tax bill for that house is going to be around $4,000. Sure. And we would get $390,000 of sure. that of that piece. And, and probably maybe the most important, um, uh, piece of information for me, um, that I thought was most illuminating was when we incorporated in 1999, the property tax pie at that point, if you were to take that pie, the piece flowing the holiday was 18%. That same piece of pie now is, 10%, 10 okay. to 11%. And and why is that? It's because the other <clears throat> pardon me, the other taxing entities have been raising their taxes or raised their taxes at some point in that 20 year span sure. to cover their costs. We have never done that. And so as a result, our our piece of what we get out of the property tax bill has shrunk. Sure. And we just can't keep operating that way. Okay. I think most people <clears throat> They may not like it, sure. but when you explain it to them, I think they'll understand it. So tell us what we what holiday residents should expect over the next year. When when should we hear from you guys? How much is this going to cost? Is this in the next quarter, or is this going to be towards the end of the year that we'll start to hear some of these, the, the hard numbers? Well, my, my anticipation, and I sit in on the citizen advisory group, is that they are they've got three or four meetings left now where they have, have, have uh, 
we've got what they call estimates on road storm drain, how far behind we are in our capital improvements. Sure. They've been educated on various different kinds of funding mechanisms, whether it be general obligation bonds, property tax increases, fees, combinations, so on and so forth. They've been getting surveys through Y2 Analytics from residents to try to figure out what it is that holiday residents expect and okay. what they think would be tolerable, what's a good balance. So they're at the, they're at the point now where they're going to throw this stuff into the blender, work amongst themselves to try to come up with um, a recommendation to our city council and maybe a couple of recommendations where they say, this is what we've been working on for the last year. Sure. This is what we've uh, kind of arrived at. And this is what we would recommend to the legislative body in terms of what you should go out and ask for. Based off what that ends up being, that will determine the timelines because um, different funding sources have different retirements. Like a general obligation bond has to go onto a ballot. Sure. A prop that So that would be probably November. Um, a property tax increase would require a truth in taxation hearing which we would have to notice up and that would happen in August. But so the timing on them would be different. Sure. Um, a fee, I think is probably just a public hearing and go out and engage people. But the bottom line is once we get that recommendation, the end of March, we start our budgeting process in April, May, June, our council is going to have to determine what it is we're going to go ask for, for our, for our budget planning. Sure. And so you could fully expect that we're going to be engaging residents April, May, June of this year. Yeah, sounds yeah. exciting. We, we can't put it off any longer. And quite frankly, I think it's wrong to put it off any longer. I think it's irresponsible. Well, Mayor Daly, I appreciate you coming in here. I think uh, Holiday City is uh, is going to have some neat projects here. They got some big questions to ask and and answers to give. But uh, we'll have you back, and and you can update us then. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me.